theyeshiva.net. So we've been learning that according to the Zohar and Kisvei Harizal and all of his Talmidim and all of uh, many of the other Mechabrim, Chachamim of Teres Anister, of Primis Atera, explain that when the Pasuk and Daniel says, Atik which means the one who is removed from days, Yosef, he sits, and Levushe Kislag Chiver, his cloak, his Levush, his garment is like white snow. And the hair of his head is like white wool, clean wool, pure wool. Amor is wool, and Noka is clean. Tzemer, what we call Tzemer, love, and white wool. It's a metaphor, as always, it's a parable. And the parable is, the way he puts it here, that the highest state, the highest, what we call the highest sphere, both Kavayachel Lamaila by Hashem, and by us as well, because it's always a reflection. Betzalmenu Kidmoseinu, Nasa Adam Betzalmenu Kidmoseinu. Person is in the image of heaven, of above, is what we call Atik. Atik means removed, it also means ancient. And each one, we explained yesterday, each one of the ten of the spheres encompasses all of them. His scalarless integration. Under Atik comes Arich. Then starts the process of what's known as Chachma, Chabad, and Chagas, and Nehim, which is Chachma bin Adas, Chesed, Gura, Teferis. It's the acronym of the Spheris, Netzachayd Yisayd Malchus Chabad Chagas Nehim. And uh, the lowest seven of Atik, called Zayin Tachtoynes, there's Gimel Rishoynes, the three first, and Zayin Tachtoynes, the seven lower are manifested, are expressed in Arich, which is under Atik, so to speak. Atik is Tainug, Arich is Ratzin, generally speaking. Arich itself also has all ten. You have the Keser of Arich, which is the Keser of Keser. You have the Chachma of Arich. You have the Keser of Arich. It also has all ten. And as he puts it, the seven lower ones of Atik are manifested in the spheres of Arich, which would mean the chesed of Atik is manifested in the highest level of Arich, which is the keser of Arich. You say, you say ten, but you're including this keser. When you count keser, you don't count das. When you count das, you don't count keser. That's a, a rule. Yeah, no, no worries. No worries. <laughs> Very good. That's what you need. <laughs> So, the chesed of Atik is manifested in the highest space of Arich, which would be the chesed of Arich. The gvura of Atik, which is the second one, is manifested in the second space of Arich, which is the chachma of Arich. This, and, and then and the, the tiferis of Atik is manifested in the next level of Arich, and so it goes in the physical anatomy, which is also a reflection of the spiritual anatomy, meaning the spiritual makeup of the soul is mirrored in the physical makeup of the body because the two match. 
So every detail in the physical organism is a reflection of the spiritual organism. We speak about Ramach Evarim and Shasagidim, limbs and blood vessels in the body, but they also exist in the soul. They also exist in Torah, right? So the two always mirror each other, always. And they mirror each other in a perfect way, in a seamless way. Even though one is physical and one is spiritual, but really what's physical is also spiritual. It's just a manifestation, what's called Hishtal is the way it evolves. So this is the difference between the Gulgoilus and the Mayach. The Gulgoilus is the crown, which represents the Keser above the brain. And the brain is inside the Gulgoilus. The Gulgoilus, the, the skull, what's known in Zayar or Kairizal as Galgalta in Aramaic. Galgalta is the skull, Galgoilus. Encompasses, but it also serves like a crown, like a Keser around the brain. The brain is the space of Moichen. That's the space of awareness. The right brain, the left brain, the middle brain, lower brain, Chachma, Bina, Das. And so it continues through the organism. The here is significant because the here, which is a paradox, on one hand it's alive, it grows. On the other hand, it has no nerves or blood vessels inside the hair, which is why you could cut it. You can cut the hair without feeling any pain and agony. Unlike Chas Shalom of another part of the, it's not like getting a cut on a finger, it's completely different. The hair represents a very minute, very mitzumtzumdik, a very restricted, like a tube, like a little tube, like a tiny little tube of straw that channels or, or manifests a very minute form of energy. And the primary on top, the primary place of the hair is on top of the head, the Gulgoilus, on top of the Galgalta, which represents Cyrus, the hair that comes from Gulgoilus, Galgalta, which is Keser, which is the first level of Arich, which manifests the Chesed of Atik. But then it continues downward, and the hair of the head is narrowed into the Peyus Harosh, into the two earlocks, the Peyus that already represent a flow downward, and that's the flow from the highest level of Arich, which is called Gulgoilus, Galgalta, or Keser, into its next level, which is Chachma. This would be Chachma Shaba'arich, Chachma Shaba'keser, also known as Moicha Stima'a, the unconscious brain, unconscious awareness, unconscious reasons. Unlike the Gulgoilus itself, which is even beyond that, it's Ratzon. And the Peyus, the Peyus filter and bring the energy of Keser, of Arich, of Keser, of the Gulgoilus, Keser of Atik Yoimen, into the beard, which, as the Zoya and the Arizal explain, are the Yudgimel Tikunei Dikna. Yudgimel Tikunei Dikna are the 13 attributes of compassion. Yudgimel Midas and the Zoyar and the Arizal point out the exact location of each one of the Yudgimel Midas Arachamim in the hair of the beard or the face around it, some places with hair, some places without hair, all of the 13. And this is represented by the payas that come in, that come down, which, so to speak, filter the highest unconscious Ratzon, Keser of Arich, yeah. into 
which is again the next level of Chachma, and the manifestation of Gvura Da'atik, which is manifested in Chachma, not in Keser. And a revelation of that comes out where? In the Yudgimel Tekone Dikna, the Yudgimel Midos Harachamim, represented by the beard. The payas, and then more by the beard. So you shave the head or do you cut the hair short with the beard? Will it extend? Oh, so we said by a nazir, the hair grows long. Yeah. The levim cut their hair, the midbar. The mitzvah cuts his hair. Generally speaking, the hair on the head, we don't grow long till you're three years old. But the pay is you have to leave. And when a boy is before three, you don't see that so much the difference between the pay is and the hair because the hair is everywhere. After three, you start noticing the pay is. And the idea of upshernish, one of the ideas it says in Svarim is to demonstrate the concept of the payas, which is left. When you when the hair is cut for the first time, you don't cut the payas as is done sometimes in other cultures, Lesakifu We don't give that even haircut, but the payas dafka come down. And then when a person grows older in maturity, Pashat physically, the Cyrus Hazakin, the beard starts coming in, in terms of a male, obviously. And all of this is representative, and that's what we touched upon yesterday, that the hair on the head is very wild energy. It's uninhibited energy because it's directly from Keser. It didn't go through Moichastima. What's Moichastima? Moichastima is the secret brain. What does it mean the secret brain? It's already how your will is filtered through some form of structure of reason. Yeah. The, the deeper you go into a person, the less Seichel. The less seichel. We don't concentrate on breathing and on the other vitals, it happens. But also in terms of a person's um, uh, true core, my real, the deepest mm-hmm. desires, you can always ask why, 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 why. At the core, there's no why. And then there's moichestima, where there is a why, but you just don't know it. And then there's the whys that we tell ourselves. <laughs> And in life, we have to be able to match it all up. Okay. Because the why we tell ourselves needs to be the reflection of the why that is what we don't tell ourselves. And the why that we don't tell ourselves is really a reflection of this is who I am. The unfiltered why. The unfiltered why is usually a little scary. And it's a very true. It's very true. It's the real, real why. It's called Moichistima. It's unconscious. Our brain tries to protect us constantly. So 99.9% of what's going on, we don't know. We don't know. When I look in the mirror, I feel myself and I say, this is who I am. What, what am I describing? Am I describing my kesser? Am I describing my moichistima? I'm describing usually what's conscious right now. But that is only a fraction of the subconscious or the superconscious, if you want, that's being filtered, a very, very minute part. And the reason is because the brain tries to preserve us. It tries to protect us. It knows what you could, it thinks it knows what you can handle. And that's what it will give you. It'll give you a little trickle of information to make you work, to make it work. When we get opened up to higher states of consciousness, deeper states of consciousness, could become very intense. And sometimes people will fight very hard not to go there. 
extremely hard. Is it because the moich thinks it doesn't have the courage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The goof is just doing what it knows best. And you have to really nurture it. You have to nurture Say, don't worry, you can deal with it. You're a big boy. You're a big boy today, or a big girl, and you can deal with it. But it's not easy to deal with uh, deeper information. People will go very, very far and very, very deep to avoid it in sophisticated ways. We don't do it, you know, we're not, uh, we're not simple peasants. We do it in sophisticated ways. We're smart about it. But there's a tremendous, a tremendous resistance. Can you give an example a little bit abstract for me? Oh. What? A bit abstract for me. If I could get an example. It could be none of this relates to you. That's the truth. It's just we American uh, weirdos. We, we always give examples of this, no? <laughs> And that's why the pay is so. So a child, when a child till three years old is basically accessing things on a level of kesser. That's why those years are so important. They're so impressionable. A child is not accessing things intellectually. He doesn't sit at a shear and says, "So explain this to me." That a child that age is not even in a classroom. A child that age, we're talking about literally from birth. But a child processes things on a superconscious level. He or she will not be aware of what they processed years later. But it's there, and it forms them, and it's ingrained in them. It's like the root of a tree. You know, if you go to a tree and you scratch the trunk or a branch, okay, so you scratch the trunk or a branch. But if you scratch the root, if you do something in the root, even the smallest, smallest change in the root will translate in every single fruit. It will be expressed in every single branch. It will be expressed in every single leaf. It will be expressed in the entire trunk. Why? <laughs> because it was on a root level. Things that happen, that's why chinuch, chanoich lenar, chinuch is so powerful, chinuch is so crucial, chinuch is so vital. When I say chinuch, I mean everything that comes with chinuch, the nurture, the love, the connection, the education, the discipline. But the main thing is the connection and the warmth and the passion and the caring is so, so important because it's the root of the tree. The root of the tree, nobody sees. When I look at a tree, I don't see a root. I can even say it's not there. If I don't know, there's no roots. I just see a tree. Why don't we deal with the tree? So now the tree comes into therapy, completely dysfunctional, and you tell the tree, come on, get your act together. <laughs> the tree, it's very hard for the tree to say, go to my roots. What's supposed to familiar? What do I have to do with anything? But you're a big tree. Come on, you're big and strong and powerful. You go up, how many feet? 300 feet. You're 2,000 years old. Yeah, he says, I've been traumatized for 2,000 years, like many Jews. So you have to be able to go into the root. The shayrish, but the shayrish is invisible. The shayrish is underground. So till three years old, the cyrus grow long, which is always a revelation of Gulgoilus, of Keser, of Ratzin, of Tainug, of Ratzin, which is Arach. That's why children have no problem saying, I want. And you say, why? Because. Because what? You know how adults start talking to children? Because what? And now the guy who considers himself Robert Shalkal Bnei Hagoyla is going to start convincing his child. And then he says, well, these, things are worse. these children are such babies. No, he's just telling you who you really are. That's it. He's just telling you who you really are. If you're not comfortable with him, you're not comfortable with yourself. I want, yeah. It's, in many ways, it's the best explanation in the world. I, I want. I want. 
I remember a young man once called me and he told me that his wife wants something. And he's trying to explain to her that it doesn't make sense. Yeah? <laughs> he's trying to explain to her that it doesn't make sense. And he can't understand. She's not understanding. She says, but this is what I want. So the truth is that a child is in touch with that truth. But we can't always remain under three years old, even though it's very nice. It's geschmack, and some of us would love to. And once in a while, you have to. Once in a while, yeah, there's a famous expression in Shal Sachuvas Harivosh, one of the Rishonim. He says, Ani yeah. I daven, when I daven, they wrote to him about all the kavonas of Hanadavish, I like to daven with the consciousness of this tinik, of this child. A certain uninhibitedness, a certain freedom, which is expressed in the long hair. Now you go even higher, you have a Nazir. A Nazir lives with so much holiness that the Cyrus become holy, they become sacred. Because this intense energy that comes from Kesser could be expressed and manifested through the hair, and it actually becomes extremely sacred. In a regular case, however, if somebody just lets their hair grow long, we don't say that the Cyrus has a Kedusha. On the contrary. Because it is very, very powerful, powerful energy. And whenever you're dealing with powerful energy, you have to have the right vessels that really can contain it, can express it. A woman's hair, after she's married, contains a very, very deep energy. The reason we cover it is not just to cover because you have to be covered because you're not let to show you're here. It's much deeper than that. It's because the here carries a lot. A feminine here has a lot inside of it. There's a reason that feminine here does something. It accomplishes something. And anything that is very, very powerful is also very, very sacred and always needs boundaries for the person herself or himself, not only for other people, for other people too, but for the person themselves. It's a very... Well, Suba creates, just special between a woman, plain woman. One day, she didn't work on herself, she didn't do anything. She got Suba, now she knows something so holy about it. I don't know if I would just define marriage as she got a Suba. Okay. That's the only definition of marriage. Mm-hmm. So marriage is one of Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's uh, living with the husband. But, uh, yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not the ksuva. The ksuva is a takonas chazal. You can get there until until there is some nazir. So Yosef, that's how the Yosef was masalsa besara. Yosef had a connection with. Yosef was masalsa yeah. Olakot koid nizir echav. What does what does Yaakov say about Yosef? Right, tovayisal erosh Yosef. The head of Yosef, Olakotkoid Nazir Echav. He's called the Nazir of the Nazir of his Nazir Echav. Yeah, Galgal. Yeah, connected, yeah. Yeah. That's Yosef Atzadik. Shimshon Hagiber was a Nazir Oilam from birth. Shmuel the Mishnah says a Nazir Shmuel or a Masi Nazir Oilam Haya. Here for Kert, the Sidus have tremendous dush and they could be revealed. It's not Seir B'isha Erev, over here they can be revealed. Then you have the Peyus Harosh, which is already a symptom, a further filter. Cyrus themselves are filtered, but now it goes down into the state of lower, which is already the Hamshacha, from, not from Gulgoilus, from Kesser, but already Moichestimah. 
where Gvura of Atik is manifested, not Chesed of Atik. And Gvura of Atik is already restrained. It's already a different type of energy. And that comes out in the beard. We had Gimel Tikuni, Dik Gimel Nisarachim, which are higher than Chachma Bina Das. They're connected to Keser. You had Gimel Nisarachim came out when? After the Chet HaEgel. What happened by the Chet HaEgel? The relationship was broken. And that's when Hashem revealed the Yudgim Midas HaRachman. So Yudgim Midas HaRachman are the relationship that go deeper than just the conscious relationship. On a conscious level, you could think you're separated, you're alienated. But on an unconscious level, there's always a connection. So Yudgim Midas HaRachman represents what? Something from Arich. But where is it expressed? It's expressed in the beard, which is a manifestation of the inner unconscious brain that comes out in the 13 regions of the, of the area, not just the beard, the area of the beard, the Yudgim of the Sarachim. And the Peis is the Hamshacha from Keser into Moichestima on the level of here, which is through Tzimtzum, through filter. <coughs> An interesting thing, Stam Derech Agav, is that's the significance of Absharnish. After the upshenish, what we're basically saying is, my dear boy, it's time to start translating Galgalta into Moichestima. It's time to start filtering Keser through Moichestima. In other words, now we're going to start growing up and we do operate on a conscious level of reason and understanding and intelligence that's part of growing up. But what you want is that it shouldn't cut out the Keser. It should manifest it. It should filter it. It should, the, the two should work together. Or what we sometimes call the world that is infinite should be able to be channeled into the world of, of finiteness, into the world of limitation, even though it's such little trickle. But that's what growing up means. Growing up means not throwing away your childhood, but raising and elevating and bringing your childhood into adulthood, into maturity. But you can never cut out your childhood. Yeah, that's another another level of tzimtzum. Yeah, it's always gvura. Yeah, gvura. Moichas is already gvura da'atik, not chesed da'atik. Where keser itself, the arich itself, the keser of arich, the gulgoilas, the skull, the skull itself represents represents chesed of atik. So instead of telling a child, a child that's growing up, so you're not a child anymore, it's not You're already, you're also an adult. You always have to remain a child. A part of us has to remain a child. Playful, creative, hopeful, uninhibited, speaking truth. Happy. Happy, yeah, beautiful. Playful, not uh, movement, motion, trusting, confident, optimistic. Children are naturally happy. Very forgiving, yeah, they don't carry grudges. We spoke about once the difference of children and adults, right? Adults want to be right. Children want to be happy. Children forgive. Adults, it's hard to forgive. I once saw a mice about uh, the Belzer of Aaron, that once he, uh, in earlier years, there was a, a tish uh, that went into Malava Malka, and there was no food or anything. And there was some store across the street or somebody had food. So he asked maybe somebody could go bring in something for Fabison, you know, something to eat, Mazinus or whatever it was. And um, nobody wanted to leave because they wanted to be there. <laughs> so at some point he says, There's a child I have outside. I'll ask him to go get. And he got up to tell the child. And they realized he's not coming back. And everybody else, he went himself. 
he came back some time later and they felt very embarrassed. Chassidim are there. And they let their Rebbe go do shopping for them. So somebody said, Rebbe, why didn't you tell us the truth that you're going yourself? Why do you say you have a child waiting outside? He says, no, no, you know, I was telling you the truth. He said, when it came to my bar mitzvah, yeah, really, the child in me wasn't ready because I knew a child is, this is, a child is not self-conscious, a child has a small ego. I didn't want to grow up. But uh, my child said, uh, you can't. Yeah. So I made a deal. The only condition I'm going to grow up is if my child always waits outside. <laughs> Whenever I need it, it should be available. <laughs> I needed it now. Nobody wanted to go. You were busy with your calculations. I went to my child. But I made a deal with my child. It should always be available. So there's something very profound about that. You know, that your child should always be able to be available. So you should be able to connect with your own children by connecting to the child within you. And the child is simplicity. It's simplicity, but it's simplicity that's really very deep. It's simplicity that's deeper than depth. It's not so superficial. On one level, a child is a child. You know, he's a child. But that's not so simple. To be a child is not so simple. He's a child. A child is the root of the tree. It's everything. It's just not processed in a sophisticated way. Your three or four-year-old is not going to sit down and say, so let's talk about life, right? It doesn't work that way. You know why? They don't have time to talk about life. They're living. We talk about life and they live. We understand life and they live. Go to your one or two-year-old and say, are you happy? (laughs) That's a question for an adult, not for a child. I'm happy. Me and happiness are one. I'm not experiencing happiness. We're busy trying to be happy. You can't be happy. Are they happy or not happy? Now, the moment you start thinking if you're happy, it's already not happiness. Happiness could never... No, I'm, I'm, you know what I mean? I'm thinking, am I happy? You ever try doing that? I'm happy, I'm not happy, maybe I'm happy, I'm a little happy. I'm miserable. <laughs> Let's go take a drink. The moment the person is, 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 is thinking, I'm happy, I'm not happy, it's already not happy. Happiness is not self-consciousness. It's like if you think, I'm healthy, I'm not healthy, you feel your hands, do, do they hurt, don't they hurt... The moment you start feeling your body, shenishgit. You know, even as a field therapist, yeah, 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 yeah. David, mafazes a mecharker b'cholos lefnei Hashem. When the Aaron was being brought to Yerushalayim, David was dancing, and the pasuk says he was jumping and dancing and whistling, according to one interpretation. Mafazes mafcharker, but it completely wild. And his wife, Michal Basshol, says, "Ke'echad harekim." You have revealed yourself to be one of the peasants jumping around. David HaMelech, he was jumping around. She says, this is disgusting. You embarrassed yourself like as though you were a simple peasant. His wife, the daughter of Shaul. And David HaMelech gives her a speech. Ooh, he gives her a speech. He says, at first glance, it's a difficult speech to understand. Right? And what his basic, his saying is that... Uh, that uh, Hashem chose me instead of your father to be the king of the Jewish people. Yeah. If I can embarrass myself even more, I would do it. Well, what, what did he have to mix in her father? What Was this a personal uh, insult now? You made fun of me, I'm going to make fun of you. What he was saying, something was very deep. Shoal was really a higher pl- place than David. It says that Shoal's neshama came from a higher place. But Shoal was a man of Seichel. And when Hashem said to kill out Amalek, Al-Piseichel, it made sense to take all the cattle of Amalek and use it as a carbon. What's greater than transforming darkness into light? 
So Shaul did not kill out all of Amalek. The head. So when Shmuel met Shaul afterwards, he told him these words. To listen, to obey, is greater than the best offering. To listen and fulfill a command is greater than the fat of all the rams. David HaMelech was chosen precisely because of this. Because I'm not limited to my contained reasoning and rationality. Because I could dance like this in front of the heart. That's the difference between Shaul and David HaMelech. Same thing. The eternity. The next Pasuk is that Michal passed away without children. She herself didn't relate to that child part. And also on a deeper level... Because it could never be eternal. In other words, anything that's only, it's not sustainable. You know, those people who, their entire experience of life is how much I understand, and if I understand it fully, I do it, and if not, not, ultimately it has no kiyum. You have to be, huh? Because there has to be a commitment that transcends what I understand at this moment. You may understand it in a year. You may understand some of it. You may not understand it. But it's always based on a commitment. Take a marriage. Okay, if a person says, I'm going to be married only when I feel and I understand fully that this is the best thing. How many marriages dissolve? So look around America. There's always an element in a relationship that must go deeper than say. Of course, it has to start with understanding that it makes sense for you. It can't, uh, if not, you could marry a tissue box. What was full of information they got? Yeah, You're right. If it's a Mecca, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about a marriage that works, but there's moments that a person can have questions and a person can have dilemmas, and there's a certain commitment. You're committed to it. Or we're talking about a commitment that's not destroying somebody. I'm not talking about a horrible, abusive situation or a dangerous situation or a complete dysfunctional situation. But there's always challenges. It's not about marriage. In, general, in life as well. In life as well. In everything. Commitment. Anything a person wants to do, there has to be a commitment that goes deeper than the fact that I understand it at this moment. Not because seichel is not important. It's very important. But because it doesn't touch the core of the human experience. And if you limit everything to that, it's a very limited relationship. It never lasts. Nothing. Not exercise, not dieting, not spiritual stuff. There has to be an element of commitment that is deeper than what I understand at this moment. It may be on a level of moichestima, maybe on a level of rotzen. Not, I don't understand it. I do things I don't understand because they're stupid. Fakert, because it's rooted in rotzen, it's rooted in tainug, it's rooted in moichestima. That's the difference. It's rooted in a place that's deeper, not in a place that's more superficial. That's the difference. So that's what David Amalek tells his wife. Fakert, I would, I, I would do this even more. He was completely free. He completely didn't have that protective gear of self-consciousness, which is a sign of adulthood. There's a sign of maturity and also insecurity that comes in because of self-consciousness. The payas are that filter. It begins when you're three years old. Just an interesting ha'ara. As you know, there's two different traditions when it comes to payas. By many of the chassidim, they have what's called in Yiddish, langig kreisel to payas. Longer payas, right? That's come come down. 
and they, if you just let them grow, they will descend further and further downward, often over the beard, and sometimes even lower than the chin, and lower than the beard, or at least lower than a part of the beard. You mind if I uh, point out the uh, illustration? For those who don't know, oh, right here too, okay. It's a little longer, right? And, and, and if he would want, right, some even extend it longer. And, and, and by, by many Hasidim, this is, this is sacred. This is not the, to let the payers grow dafka. Dafka grow and grow over and grow down. So some of them will put them behind the ear. Some will put it under the yamulka. But in many, thank you, very good. You could take it out every morning, by the way. <laughs> it, 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 it's displayed, and it's displayed downward. And the payas really are very, very alp- alpinister. They're very powerful energy. That's why there's a prohibition to cut the payas, because the payas are the cyrus that have kedusha in them. The hair on the head doesn't have kedusha unless you're a nazir. Sometimes fakert, the hair you have to be careful of. But the hair of the payas are considered holy. It's a mitzvah. Like sakifu pas roshcha. The payas are considered, it's, it's the sign of a yid. Then it says, pas koncha. So on a beard, there's different hetayim, different Jews have different relationships with beards throughout, it, throughout, I think, last few hundred years as a result of different factors. It's not for now. But the payas, sakifu pas roshcha, a Jew has payas. And it starts when you're three, which represents really... The fact that there's Kedusha. And the reason there's Kedusha is because it's filtered. It's more filtered than the hair on the head. The hair on the head is much more intense. So the Nazir has Kedusha. Or a little baby can have it. But the with the hair on the head, as I told you yesterday, very often when people want to show that life is, uh, you know, flowery. So one of the first things that doesn't go is haircuts, right? You stop with the haircuts. You just let that hair grow. It has a certain energy to it. It has a, we all know, it has a certain look, it has a certain energy. Huh? Freedom, uninhibitedness, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not part of this. I'm not part of any system, you know? I'm not limited. I'm in a state of infinity. But there's no such a thing in this world. You're not in a state of infinity. <laughs> you know, I'm not judging anybody, but it's like, we live in a world of finiteness. You have to channel infinity into finiteness. That's the only infinity that's real. Some of the young people, they feel like the system traps them. I got them. I got them. And sometimes it's a stage. You always have to tune in to what's going on. You have to tune into the neshama. You know, it's very easy to say, you look like a, you look like a this, just get rid of it. Why can you look as handsome and slim like me? As me. Uh, yeah, like your older brother, right? So we have to tune in. You know, people go through phases and stages. The most important thing is they should be able to they should they should be able to find their own truth, their own true meaning, their own true relationship with God and with themselves. Someone told me, someone told me at Shul last week on Shabbos. I, I have a question whether like it, it was like work I'm supposed to do after Shabbos. They were t- you know, like taking away the Shabbos spirit a little bit. They told me that I should cut my hair. <laughs> They told me, it's like, it's, you know, tomorrow, Sunday, you got to cut your hair, you know? Somebody just came over to you, Michelle, or a friend of you? It's a friend of mine. It's a, it's a, friend, it's a person I've developed a relationship with for about a year. Because he's usually got a beautiful, beautiful year, you know? So I take it, and he's saying something really good to me. You know, I have to accept that. He's saying something good to me. It's just interesting, the whole dynamic, yeah. you know? 
The Yemenites also have long, beautiful payas. Yeah. Huh? They call it Simonim, right? Yeah, because when they when they were in Yemen, the Goyim also had beards, nice black beards. So you couldn't tell the difference between the Jews and the and the um, by the beard. So they grew the payos especially, especially long and beautiful. They called them Simonim. This is the Simon that were a Jew. When they went to Israel, the, they they cut their payos. Just a huge tragedy. Yalde Taman. Yeah, so in Yemenite, the Muslims, a lot of them had beards. And you're right, their pay is they called Simonim, the Yemenites, because this was the identifying mark of the Jew. But here's now an interesting thing. And it's very important to understand that Minhage Yisrael are diverse. There's an expression in Gemara and Chulim. Some people are learning now Chulim. Nara, Nara, Pashte. There's no one river, there's no one stream through which Judaism travels. By Kriyas Yamsuf, there were 12. And that's why there's so many different types of Minhagim. And each one represents a certain truth. It's not right or wrong. There's different different manifestations. So you'll see different types of manhagim and a lot of different issues. One of them has to do with payas. The Arizal writes, and this is quite interesting, and I, I don't want the people here, the, the people here who have a different minig, chas v'shalom, to take this in the wrong way. I said, nara nara pashtid is a different holy manhagim that are very, very sacred according to families and communities and traditions of great Sadikim and great Svarim. The Reb Chaim Vital writes that Moiri, my teacher, Shar HaKavones of the Ariza, he was makbed that the payas should not stand out. The payas should go in directly, should flow into the beard. The Arizal himself would not allow the payas to, uh, to grow over and downward. He wanted the payas to be directly linked into, linked into the beard. That's what I read. That's what that was the meaning of the reason. That's why, for example, by the Balatanya and the tradition of Chabad, they were always makbed on that. Even though other Chassidim don't have that meaning, the Chassidim come from the base medrash of the Magid and the Talmidim and so forth. But because of this statement of the reason, so they were makbed that the payas should not grow outside. And I remember my son. I had a son. He was bar mitzvah, and he. Uh, and he asked me if uh, he could have those payas. My oldest son, he really wanted those payas. I said, Adarab, it would be very, uh, very geschmack. But I guess he grew old and he decided he doesn't want it. But, uh, so what's the, what's, what's the different, what's the, what's the different Havana? So it actually, I once thought that it's actually a very deep reflection of something. Because one of the different, with the Balatanya and his Chaveidim, there was a discussion about this. The Balshemtiv, is known as Atik. The Magid was known as Arich. The Balatanya is Chachma. Mittler, Abibine, Tzemach Das. But the Magid and the Balshamtiv are known as Keser. The Balshamtiv Atik, Tainuk, and the Magid Arich, Rotzer. And the idea of the Balshamtiv, people wonder, he didn't write his Torah. He couldn't write his Torah. You don't write down nuclear energy. It was nuclear energy. It was infinite energy the Balshamtiv brought into the world. He he created a fire in the world. He revealed the infinite soul in people, in Jews, in Torah, and in the whole world. It's nuclear energy, Atik, Tainug. Tainug doesn't have to say, I want. Tainug is pleasure. The Magid, the Magid had a completely different Mahalik than the Balshamtiv, but it was also on the same schnitt of the Balshamtiv. He was a student of the Balshamtiv. It's the Pchin of Keser. 
the payas represents a flow from that space, because the payas come down from Cyrus Harosh in the way that's more relatable. The Balatanya felt, if somebody, for example, reads the Svarim of the Balshamta of the Magad that the Talmudim wrote, and then Svarim of later Hasidic masters, they're all Vertler, what's called Vertlach, powerful penetrating insights. Now, Terebbe's Maimarim are very expansive, elaborate, Chachma, Bina Das. Because he felt that the main avoid was to take the kesser and to connect it into chachma, into bini, into das. So the payas flow into the beard. The payas flow into the beard, which the beard is a reflection of the moichas of moichin. There should be a, a, a seamless connection between the two that the higher infinite state of the soul should be able to be consciously filtered into the lower and then ultimately more conscious states of the soul. Where others disagreed, they felt no, that the real derech of the Balshemtim and the Magad is more explosive, more, more infinite, not to bring it in so much to explanations and elaborations, more a spark of inspiration. And this translated into completely different systems in terms of not in its essence, but in terms of Gili, in terms of manifestation. You'll open up most Sifre Hasidus. Right, and you'll see that there is a vart on the parsha, a paragraph, two paragraphs, maybe three, and they're always fiery. They bring out something very beautiful and inspirational. The Alter Rebbe felt, the Balatanya felt, that Chassidus has to be understood and explained and internalized. And some of his colleagues were very upset. They felt that it's diluting and compromising and mitigating. And the main avoid of Chassidus is, as uh, they used to say, the pasuk says, "With tzaddik be'munasoi." Yichia, the the Navi says. So they used to say, "V'tzadik b'manasa al tikri yichia ali yichai." V'tzadik b'manasa yichaya, that the chassid connects to a tzadik, and the tzadik is filled with emuna and yira and ava, and the inspiration of the tzadik, uh, it's contagious, and it affects it affects him. And it was built around that. It was built around the camaraderie and the connection and the deep connection of the chassid to his rebbe, and his rebbe was a tzaddik and a kaddish elyon, and that really infused him with a certain energy and vitality and warmth and spirituality. The Balatanya felt that that's not enough, and perhaps one of the reasons was, because there may come generations where you won't have tzaddikim on that caliber, and if it's all going to be based on a person, only on that, Right, So then, even though it's a very powerful thing, but if it doesn't really become part of your system and your identity, which means your seichel, your awareness, so ultimately it's going to remain aloof. So it's going to connect to the core of you, but in your daily life, when you're living in the real world, it's going to be hard to access that type of energy. So that's the reflected in the minig of the Arizal that the Rechav brings, that the Balatanya embraced as his own also, that the Peis did not remain, so to speak, uh, uh, above above the beard, but rather, but rather, it, it flowed into it. In other words, the idea was synthesis and integration, even though that comes with a challenge, because Kesser and Chachma Bin Adas are, <laughs> are uh, this is if you get bored, we have entertainment. We we like to keep you here from every angle and then uh, from every angle. So all, senses. all senses should be stimulated. Atik, I don't know atik, but arich with with gulgoylus with with payas with the beards with yudgimotikonedikhatsov. But you could understand, for example, it's a pella. Moshe was Moshe passed away. Tovkuf Chav, seventeen forty. Shmuas. 
He was born Tafnun Cha, 1698. It's a pillar in Jewish history that for 100 years, 150 years, that, that century, suddenly from nowhere, in some forsaken villages in what's called Volin and Padalia, Ukraine and, and, and Belarus, different parts of Poland, sprung up in a century extraordinary spiritual giants that were unique, that were unique. It was like a, a phenomenon that was absolutely unique. The Baal Shem Tev and his students and the Magadha and his students and their students. And it was like nobody, nobody expected it to happen. And it, it infused a, a tremendous soul into a world that was very, very uh, broken and devastated and depraved both on a physical level and on a spiritual level. So when Hasidim would come, let's say, to the Rebbe Reb Melech of Lezhen, the Noyem Ali Melech, or the Chayzer, the Seer of Lublin, Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchak Horowitz was his name, or the Kajnitz Amagid, Rabbi Yisrael of Kajnitz, he has a Sefer Avoidus Yisrael, or Rabbi Yitzchak Abadichev, I'm talking about the first generation, the Lions, the Chevraya Kaddish of the Magid. It was an experience that left a very, very deep impact on you. And there was a camaraderie, you know, the egos would melt away in the ecstasy of the soul that was projected by people, by many people, who were very connected to God in a very real way, that had a tremendous, tremendous power. They didn't have to speak much. So they would sit, they would say a vart, they would say an insight, and you see it in the svarim. And those insights were penetrating, they were all soulful. All the all chsiddas has a schnitt, it has an energy. You could see the DNA of the Balshamtiv in it. You know, the DNA you could see everywhere, even in the saliva. Anything that comes with the Vesmanish of the Balshamtiv, you could feel his DNA in it. There's a certain approach. It's always one of the th- one of the features you'll always see is that the focus is not I serve God in order to get Ghanaid. And I don't serve God if I don't serve God, I'm gonna get Gehenim. And I'm going to make sure to serve God in order to get Ghanayim. The feature you'll always see is, I serve God, and that itself is the greatest Ghanayim. That feature is right away is that, that energy. I serve Hashem, and that is the greatest Ghanayim. Or the, the concept of an Hashem, the, the infinite power of a soul and its continuous relationship with Hashem that is inherent. These are, I'm just giving a few example, little examples, they're not such little, but a few features that you'll always see. It'll come out in Pesach, it'll come out in Sukkot, it'll come out in Shana Rabbah, in this way or that way, but these features will come out. Or Achdus Hashem, the oneness of Hashem, Einoid Mulvadai. Those are, you see that the DNA of what the Baal Shem Tov emphasized and taught. So that had a tremendous, tremendous power, a tremendous, tremendous impact. The Balatanya, all of his Maimarim, he has, instead of two Svarim, or one Sefer, he has like 60 Svarim or 50 Svarim. They called him the Litvak. His friends called him the Litvak. <laughs> the Lithuanian. Whatever, but I'm saying the reason they called him, he was very analytical. It was Chachma bin Adas, and, and he, to explain and elaborate, people should think about it, understand, and everything with hasbaras and explanation. Why? Not because seichel is the ikr. The truth is keser. Keser is much truer than seichel. 
But he felt that for Keser to really permeate the person, Seichel can't be an obstruction. Seichel has to be a channel through which it can flow. Because only then can the Muna really permeate the person. The Balsham and the Magid, Keser in Avoidus Hashem represents Amuna. What's Amuna? Amuna doesn't mean blind faith. Amuna means that the soul experiences God like an infant experiences its mother. The soul knows Hashem instinctively. It sees Him. It's part of it. That's Amun. What's Seichel? Seichel is reason and philosophy and explanations. So the Bashar and the Magid revealed very much what's called the nuclear energy of the soul, the atomic energy of the soul, which is the Koyach of Amun. That's Keser. And that itself, there's Atik and there's Arech. So that you're on fire all the time. Yeah. But could you be on fire all the time? So what is connected to God? Okay, so when you went into the atmosphere of people who were on fire all, fire all the time, like the great Sadiqim, it affected you. And then when you came home, you came home with a passion and a hislavos, and the togetherness and the brotherhood and the love and the compassion, the G'dayla Ligima, you know, that, it created a certain, it brought a Shekhinah into the lives of very many people, including simple people, who lived in villages and farms and shtetlach and struggled with so many things, but they had something. They had this amuna, this passion, this this soulfulness, this brotherly, uh, this brotherly love and camaraderie. The shevesachim gam yachat. That's why all of them, all, everything from the base of the Balsham to focus very much on p- coming together and being together, and and you know even and and the focus also another DNA that another would be that the gashmias could be holy, that the world is not this contaminated place. You'll always see that all these features, you'll, and you'll see it in all the svarim because this is the DNA. This is this is his message. That you could connect with Hashem everywhere and in everything and through your mundane life. A person sleeps and a person eats and a person drinks. A person makes money and all these features. So it's a very, very powerful thing. What Alter Rebbe felt was, and this wasn't simple. There was an argument in the first generation. I spoke about this a few times. There was an argument. What he felt was that what's necessary... And, and again, and these were different drachim of, of very holy people, it's one, there were different drachim, different pathways. But what he felt was that the ideas of the Baal Shem Tov and the Magad, or to put it differently, that the Koyach Muna, for it to truly uh, give a person vitality 24 hours a day, wherever they are and whenever they are and however they are, it's if the Muna could be channeled within the ordinary faculties of the human experience, which begins always with Seichel. Chachma, Bina Das, then translating it to Chesed, Gvurit, Teferis, Netzach, Yisait, Malchus. In other words, when the atomic energy of Amuna could permeate and penetrate the human condition as is, because then it could become really part of me. As long as it remains on the Keser level, but the Seichel itself is not transformed, so then at a time of Isairus, I'll get to it. Maybe when I'll come to that Sadik, if that Sadik even exists, I'll get to it. But in terms of my day-to-day life in the real world, it's going to be very hard to connect to it because it's a higher plane of energy. And how often do I go into the superconscious? So he wanted that the Amunah should be able to flow through all of the faculties of the soul by having the Seichel not obstructing it, the Seichel becoming a channel of it rather than an obstruction of it, and I have to go to a, to a deeper place. Did I answer your question? Dr. Rebbe felt that the animal soul has to understand Chesedus. The animal consciousness has to understand. It has to really permeate who I am as a regular person. 
not when I close my eyes and I go into a mystical state or when I travel to a particular person or a particular place. And I think part of it was also he knew that as generations continue, you may not have that nuclear energy concentrated in one person or in one place on that level. And therefore, it has to become your, yours. It has to become yours. How does it work for the simple person that the whole clue was that it doesn't take scholarship, doesn't take simple people. How, how did he foresee that they would be part of this? That's an interesting question. Yeah. What did the Balatanya feel about simple people who were not scholarly, who couldn't learn so much? Yeah. So a lot of the Maimorim talk about that itself. <laughs> so you see that he thought about it. The Nukudah here was, it's not about scholarship. Every person, according to his or her capacity should learn in a way, just like when it comes to Torah B'chalal. Yeah, there's a person who can master everything, and there's a person who learns Perik Echad Shachas, Perik Echad Arvis. Yeah. There's a person who could master Kol Kul, and there's a person who's limited, but he's also M'chuyiv and Limit So every person, even the simplest person, to be able to to learn something, to understand something, L'fum Shur Adalei, according to his capacity, but never in a way that would delegitimize the pshittas. And because the Nakuda here was not seichel, the Nakuda here was a muna, the Nakuda was neshama, so therefore pshittas, the simplicity of a simple Jew, was always celebrated. Because sometimes over there you see the kayach of a muna in a much more powerful way. It was never seen as the main thing as intellect and, and scholarship. Fakert. It's just a, a channel for the pshittas of a muna. So in many ways the simplicity came... Uh, I think I, the simplicity was highlighted and celebrated, never in a way that they should feel uh, you don't have a part in it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. There were different streams of the Talmudim of the Magad. They, they had different opinions. So it's all expressed in the payas, how the payas go. Do the payas go over? And go downward, or the payers go in to my chistima. The, um, by the mezuzah, there's a machlokas that goes like this or like this. So they put it. Rashi and Rabbi Natam. So they put it in the middle. Of, so what's so? So now, like our generation, you need the new revolution to get you know to bring back the pure Baal Shem Tov Torah. That's what people really want. Baal Shem Tov Torah, which the Rabbi was teaching. Yeah, so that's what happens sometimes. Like in our generation, one of the issues that I see a lot is people who grew up in a certain culture. Like I get a lot of emails about this. A fellow wrote to me once. He says, uh, you know, he grew up in what's called a Hasidic home or a Hasidic community. And he says, can you really tell me what the Baal Shem Tov taught besides, as he put it, besides eating shalashudas and wearing a strimal? I don't know if the Baal Shem Tov wore Shreimel, actually. I'm not familiar. But, uh, White socks, I think, also might be. Whatever. <laughs> what was the point? The point is that for him it just became a cultural experience and a very, very external one. And all he knows is, you know, what they taught, this is what you do, this is what you don't do. The Chitsani is, what, what is this all about? What is it? What does it really mean? I wake up in the morning, what is this? I go to work, what is this? I go to shul, I go to Besmedrish, wherever I am, I'm working, I'm raising a family, I come home, what is this? 
is there anything here? Or it's just different communities that have different menhagim and different cultures. This one eats this, and this one eats that. And this one behaves this way, this one behaves that. This one has this type of glasses, this type of glasses, this type of haircut, that type of haircut, this type of hat, this type of strimal, this type of kapot on Shabbos. If that's all there is, yeah. so even though these are beautiful and holy traditions of families and messiah and communities, but it left a generation of seekers, especially people who are deeper, very, very empty, extremely empty. And uh, the truth is that it's sometimes very sad because if a person is a little deeper and, and looking for something, it's very hard to nurture it when you just cut them down and you just do this, this is what we do, this is holy. What is this really all about? What is the primius of it? What is the primius of it? In the first generations, this didn't have to be so articulated because the holiness of the masters of the great tzaddikim was so powerful it affected people very deeply. But many Hasidim today, right or wrong, whatever, don't have that. They don't feel that when they go to their their communities or their hubs or their shuls or the Titian or wherever it is. For whatever reason, I'm not here to judge or put anybody down, Chas Shalom. And they're left, they, they, they're left, they feel stripped from any depth, any meaning, any inspiration, any question they asked as children was usually, we don't ask questions. And... Uh, and as a result of that, many, many people, especially who are deeper, are suffering inside drought, famine. And it expresses itself also in their lives practically, even if they don't always show it. Some of them show it, but there's a huge percentage of people who are so-called Hasidim, who uh, forget about Hasidic customs. Much of Judaism is very, very alien to them today because it really means nothing. It mamish means nothing. So on Shabbos, you look at them, and they're dressed like the Kohen Gadol with eight garments, besides the Urim V'tumim. But inside, I'm not saying chas v'shalom all. I'm saying a nice amount of people who have opened up to me. That's how I know about it. I don't have, I don't have Ruach HaKodesh. But uh, I've heard from quite a few people, in person, emails, uh, without names, a lot of emails without names. And, uh, you know, they educate their children. They sometimes deceive their own wives. You know, and I asked the guy, why do you do this? And he said, uh, well, well, I have 11 kids. What should I do? What should I take the 11 kids and put them in public school? What am I supposed to do? Okay, so this is an, an extreme situation, but it reveals a trend. What's the trend? The trend is he doesn't know anything about the Masham Nothing. Mamish, nothing. He knows nothing. If he would know... He would be very inspired. He, Mamish doesn't know anything. He never had a chance. He never had an opportunity. What is, he doesn't know what Torah is. What, what, forget Chsidus. Chsidus is the primis of Torah. He doesn't know what it is. Right. All he, he, as he puts it, he says, I'm in a cult. And it just, it works for my kids and my wife. So what am I going to do? I'm not a, I'm a responsible person. I'm not a, I'm not a selfish person. He's not a responsible person. So he goes on with the show, with the music. But there's no life there. Not only there's no life, wherever he has an opportunity, he does the exact opposite. What about the lip box and the and the and the, uh, the yekas and they also have. Yeah, so then you have the litvaks and the yekas and the, the, the yeshivish world. Everybody has their child. Listen, all Jews are very holy and very beautiful and trying hard and so forth. All of them, chsedim and litvaks and yeshivish and what you call modern orthodox. Kulanu bnei yish echad nachno. We're all the children of the same God, and we're all connected, and we're all one. And every year, no difference what type of shtraimul or biverhut or kippah he wears as a chelik alikami mal mamish. Atavachartanu mikola amim goes on every single Jew. 
Megadol Vatkatan, even you and me. We're also part of it. Uh, that's not a question, Michlal. That's not a question. And today we actually live in a world where in many ways there's more closeness because, you know, it's a smaller world in the sense that there's so much communication and so much interconnectedness and, and an open search and also a lot of accessibility. People have access today to things they didn't have years ago where you were really in your container. And today you see a tremendous thirst by everybody, by literally by everybody. I'm not talking about chassidim only. You have chassidim and you have litvish and you have yeshivish and you have people more modern orthodox and you have what's called the datim lo mim in Israel, religious Zionists and this group and that group. Everywhere, from, from, from New Square to Yeshiva University, literally from Kiryas Yoyal Monroe to Tetels, uh, from Brisk and Slabotka, right? To Vizhnitz and Bobov and, and, and Papa and Ger and Satmer, etc. New city. Huh? New city. A new city too, yes. <laughs> a new city too. <laughs> there's a thirst, there's a yearning. It's not limited to a particular group. But the thirst is the same. What's the thirst? The thirst is I want to have a real relationship with God. I want to have a real relationship with Yiddishkeit. I want to have a real relationship with my soul. I want to have a relationship with myself. What is davening? What is learning? What is Shabbos? What is Yom Tov? What is Gemara? What is Shulchan Aruch? What is Torah? What is Mitzvah? What is Hashem? What is it all? What is the world? Why am I here? Who am I? What's meaningful? What's powerful? This is a search that's universal. Sometimes not only by non-Jews, by everybody. And forget the secular community. The search is sometimes even stronger. Over this and Bechlal not diluted with any stereotypes. You know, sometimes I say, I speak to a lot of groups. I'll speak to Hasidim or Yeshivisha people, and I'll speak to secular Jews. And sometimes it's much easier for the secular Jews to hear what I'm saying. You understand why? Because let me realize that they just, oh, wow, wow, really? That's what Judaism teaches? I say the same thing to a from Jew. He says, You made that up. <laughs> God loves me unconditionally. What's the source? You made that up. It's not true. Right? The other person, he doesn't say I made it up. <laughs> but the other person, he heard so much opposite. Uh, so he says, yeah, I-, I made it up. And then I have to start showing him source. Then he argues with me for three years. I'll say, I say, okay, so God loves everybody besides you. Happy? Now you can go home. Yeah, Baruch Hashem. Now he can continue being resentful. So that's that's a, that's a that's a process that requires healing. Yeah, the Baal Shem Tev writes in a letter that Mashiach told him, So where's chutza? Sometimes chutza is uh, in your own house. Chutza is in your own shul. Chutza is in your own shalashudrshti. But chutza doesn't necessarily mean. Uh, chutza also means you know Vietnam and. Uh, and then Japan and China and Honolulu. Yeah. So that's where the Chabad Shluchim are. But then there's a different type of chutzah. <laughs> chutzah could be your own backyard. Chutzah could be the other, the other room in Shul, you know, the smoking area. <laughs> where the coffee breaks take place. So, but, but the common denominator everywhere is that there is a yearning and there is a very powerful search. I don't know if I told you, Ramchal, Rabbeinu Moshe Chaim Lutzato, had a friend and a student, Ramad Vali, Rabbi Moshe David Vali. This is from the, this is not from the world of Chassid, this is the world of the Ramchal, who was a contemporary of the, of the Magid. 
Chal passed away in the 1740s. So, uh, so Rabbeinu Maishu Chaim Lutzato, very famous, the author of Mesilis Yisharim, and Klach Pischechachim, and Derech Hashem, Das Tfunais. The Ramchal was a very fascinating figure. He was a Kabbalist, he was a playwright, he was a poet, he was a linguist. He was a very interesting person. He was also put into Cherim, he was banned and excommunicated. He suffered terribly. His books were banned. and uh, He was that good. Huh? He was that good. Yeah, and... Well, in that generation, uh, it, was a, it was a hard time. Because of Shapsi Tzvi, there was, uh, there was a hunt over anything. It was part of the opposition to Chassidus. There was a suspicion. The Vilna Gon... The Vilna Gon felt that anything new is just going to destroy. Let's just keep the old, you know. Don't give me new stuff. Huh? It's just, it's, it's just it's, it, it becomes hard to distinguish between truth and falsehood. If you stay with the old, it's good, right? Why do a lot of schools not want to change? Because somehow we have an impression that if it's old, it's good. Some things are old and rotten. <laughs> but we have this feeling if it's old, it's good. If it's new, it's bad. Not always. Some things that are old are very, very good, right? Huh? <laughs> very good. <laughs> because they never get old. Things that are old and good because they never get old. And some things that are old, you know, you got to put in the garbage, right? An old bottle of wine, yayin yashan, right? But an old piece of challah, you know, it's time for beer chametz, yeah? Right? So the Ramchal had a student and a friend of Moshe David Vali. He has very interesting writings. It's called Ramad Vali. So he has a line that says in Svanya, I think. Uh, everybody knows it from the Nigin. The prophet says that in the future days are going to come and I'm going to send a hunger into the world. Not a hunger for bread and not a thirst for water. But to hear the word of God, there'll be a time when people will not be struggling to find food. They will have abundance of food, but there'll be another type of hunger. Very powerful pasuk. But Ramad Vali gives a different interpretation. He says, the Gemara says that Mayim is Torah. Ain Mayim ala Torah. Lechem is also a marshal for Torah. Lechu Eat your bread with my bread. Your Torah is in my stomach. So the Tanya says, Torah is like food. So Torah is compared to Lechem in the Chazal. It's also compared to Mayim, a Babakama, Yudzayin, Ein Mayim el So he says, that's what the Navi is saying. There's going to come a time, there's going to be a hunger. It won't be a hunger for Torah. It won't be a thirst for Torah. You know why? The Torah will be abundant. There will be Torah everywhere. Torah will be accessible in ways that it was never accessible. But there will be a hunger for something else. To be able to experience the godliness of Torah. The Dvar Hashem of Torah. That's going to be the hunger. Now, which generation is that? <laughs> Today... The accessibility of Torah is in a way that's incredible. Whatever you want to learn. You want to learn Yerushalmi. Laser Shiner just made a Siyam on Talmud, Yerushalmi, Zerayim, and Mayad last Friday. Okay? You want to learn Yerushalmi, you want to learn Bavli, you want to learn Tanchuma, Sifra, Sifri, Toisefta, Tanach, Zoya, Sefi Yitzir, Kabbalah, Pshat, Remez, Drush, Sod, Chkire, Philosophy, Sifre, Machshove, Maharal, between MP3s, 
and websites and seminars and retreats and groups and shiurim and lectures available MP4 and MP3 live video internet and so forth, including the yeshiva.net, etc. People today, yeah, are jogging and they're learning the daf yomi, yeah. They're driving a car. I you know, sometimes get a very nice compliment. Somebody says, "I was coming from the city back to." Uh, I was coming from Borough Park or from the city back to Muncie. It was a two-hour delay. And then when the traffic jam ended, I was upset because Yushir didn't end yet. He said, I was hoping that the traffic jam continued. I said, you see, that's the mile of my shiurim. The mile of my shiurim is that as long as the traffic jam goes, I will be there. Because I don't finish so fast. So we're at right now is that, that people are hungry for Torah, hungry for Lachim and Lion, but we got to get to the next stuff. Oh, so so today is a generation, yeah, between all of the publishing houses, you know, Art Scroll, Izvahada, Masifta, and so many more. So many things are available in English and French and, 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 and Spanish and so many different languages. It's really an incredible thing. It's an incredible thing. You want to learn a daf and zvachim? It's there. You could learn. Both through books and through teachers. You, you love a Rebbe in Eretz Yisrael. You could listen to him every day. You could listen to him every day. Yeah, we have a person who participates in this shir. He lives in Eretz Yisrael. He now came to visit us. And he's every day on the shir. He sits one o'clock in the afternoon in Eretz Yisrael. And he's there in the shir live. We don't see him, but he sees us. And the same is true with hundreds and thousands of Jews. You remember we had uh, from Baghdad. We were learning Gemara. What we were learning? Rosh Hashanah or Beitzah. And we had 19 people from Baghdad who would call in 5.30 in the morning by us. Yeah. To the point that in the beginning, I told them, I was afraid that it's an ISIS, my son. ISIS, 19 people from Baghdad learning Gemara every morning. By us, it's in the morning. By them, it's in the afternoon. I thought we have to tell the FBI. Literally every morning from Iraq, around 19 or 20 people who were tuning in. I still don't know who they are. Uh, but, uh, okay, I'm just saying I got so scared because why would 20 people from Iraq be tuning into my share in Rosh Hashanah unless they're doing... Who knows with these terrorists? Huh? Israeli spies. Huh? Yeah, perhaps. I don't, I don't know. I still don't know. Uh, probably a few chaplains. Whatever. I don't know. So that Madvali says, there's going to come a time, people are not going to be hungry for Lechem and Mayim. Kiim l'shmoyez dvar Hashem. dvar Hashem is able to experience the ruchnius of Torah. The godliness of a blot gemara. The godliness of a mitzvah. The godliness of a amin yehe of a yomtif, of a regular day, of your home, of your kitchen, of your experience. To be able to hear the word of Hashem, to be able to have a relationship with the Dvar Hashem in Torah Mitzvahs. That's a different type of home. So that's where Pnimius becomes so important. The person has to be able to internalize it, to understand what it is, especially in today's world. Today's world is a world where everybody knows everything, or they think they know everything. So there's so much cynicism. The Balatanya's time, there was not so much cynicism. First of all, you lived in a little shtetl. There was, of course, cynicism. I'm not going to make there was no. Of course, there was cynicism. But the exposure, where every second there's another WhatsApp about a new person who was caught in his corruption, right? So you'll sometimes see people who have been around the block. And the more cynical, the more alienated you feel, you're going to start selling me now the Brooklyn Bridge. This is good for the dumb, naive guy who I grew up with who believes everything and closes his eyes and you could give him the Tappan Zee Bridge and sell him the Manhattan and the Williamsburg and Brooklyn for the same five bucks because you're not selling him anything. But a guy like me, 
What are you going to sell? And it's part of what comes back, why people sometimes, people are escaping. They have to run. Wherever they hear that there's a pocket of inspiration, they're there. Yeah, Overnight, you can have 40,000 people there. Why? Because they heard that you're going to find something there. You go, and you look here, and you look there, and you run here, and you run there, and there's the understand. So what do you do? So you look for other things to be able to get you out of that emptiness. And then what is even worse, you start combining, and you're saying... Uh, when I'm in this in this state, uh, suddenly this becomes this become now I could feel the significance of this, but it's really the person completely alienated, and that's why when it's such a time, be able to have a real understanding, each person according to their level, in a way that's internalized into yourself, becomes who you are, your mind, your heart, your soul. It changes you as a person. There's no substitute for that. Because that's the only thing that can withstand cynicism. That it speaks to me, it speaks to my heart, it speaks to my life today, it speaks to my marriage, my relationship, my children, my identity, my mental challenges, my physical challenges, my emotional challenges. It really speaks to me where I am today. Ba'asher hu sham. What does Hashem tell Moshe? You could run in the whole to the whole world. And sometimes it's good to get around. But you have to be able to discover the holiness, the place that you're standing. If you can't discover that this place is holy, where you are today, right now, you won't be able to discover holiness anywhere. Because you're not looking for real holiness. You're looking for an escape. You're looking for a high. You're looking to get away. You can't look to get away. You have to look to stay. You have to look to be. You can't get away from yourself. What are you, what are you going to run away from yourself? Okay. <laughs> so it's a good question. When a, a feminine here before marriage, the answer is before a woman gets married, it's a good, very good question. Before a woman gets married, what What about a woman before she gets married? Why doesn't she cover her hair? Very good question. The answer is, feminine energy before she. When a woman gets married, the marriage brings out certain aspects of her life that are more latent. They're more uh, hidden. hidden, or not hidden, but more uh, more internalized, more inside. Pashat, the relationship and everything that comes with that, both physically and spiritually and emotionally, brings out from a woman, from a girl, something that is, is different. And uh, you'll even see it in a very practical way. Uh, <laughs> a couple once came to me. He comes home very late at night. And she texts him, where are you, where are you, where are you? I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. He come, he likes to come home late here, for whatever reason. And she says, I'm scared, I'm scared to be alone, I can't be alone. It was a whole issue, becoming a whole issue. So they came to see me. So I asked him what he thinks about what his wife says. He says, it doesn't make sense rationally. I said, why not? He tells me she got married when she was 25. Until she was 25, for six years, she lived alone. In an apartment. She was never scared. 
So just because she became 28 and she's married to me, now she has to become scared at night? <laughs> so I understand the logic doesn't. It's flawed. Till 25, she was never scared at night. She was there alone. Nobody was there with her. She lived alone in an apartment. Just because she got a roommate, me, so now you have to get scared when the roommate is not there, I tell her, just go back to how you were 24. When I'm not home, imagine you're a single woman. Somehow it didn't fly with her. Why? They were speaking in two different worlds. He was being very practical. What are you scared of? You're scared of a, a, a burglar coming into the house? Why weren't you scared when you were 23, right? She was addressing it from a world of emotions. I'm married. <laughs> I should imagine that I'm a single girl. It's not I'm scared. When you're not there, you're, the fact that you're not there, your absence yeah. makes me very vulnerable. I feel like I'm missing something very vulnerable. He's like, well, just imagine you're a single girl. I can't imagine I'm a single girl. <laughs> I'm not single anymore. I'm part of you. So when you're not there, I'm like going to bed. And I, it's, it's not fear, you know, somebody's going to come in through the window. It's just that too. It's just it's just a general fear that grips me because I'm alone. He wasn't understanding that. He, understand. he thought I'm not home. Okay, so so what's the issue? Huh? It can be away still. Be. Or you could be there and be away. Yeah. So it works both ways. The point is that marriage changes person. If somebody's really married, for men it's usually harder. It takes men to get. It takes men between five and twenty years to get married after their marriage. No, no, I'm serious. Yeah, till this baby is bechlal garnished. Even after one, two, three, it's still her issue. You know. Then when spaghetti hits the fan, he usually realizes he's married. But sometimes, for many men, it takes the kids to grow up and really get in touch with life for him to say, "You know what? I'm married." Yeah. You know. Not all men, but a lot of men. <laughs> it takes them a lot of years to really acknowledge that they're married. I mean, acknowledge the pnimius hanefesh, that you're really part of something. You're like really married. But women, just it happens like this. She's married. Somehow they catch it a little faster, for whatever reason. Boys never grow up. Huh? Yeah, a psychoanalyst once told me, he says, why is therapy uh, easier for men than for women? I said, I don't know. He said, because the idea of psychoanalysis is to bring you back to childhood, and men are there already. <laughs> so when a woman gets married, something comes out in her that's not the same. The husband and the marriage and the relationship and the intimacy actualizes a certain energy that is somewhat tamed before. And part of that comes out in the here. And that's why the here has to have a protection, not from, um, from other men, also for herself. When you have, and those of you here who are emotional, when you have very deep energy and you come into a room, people are going to nash from it. And you have to protect it, because if not, you're going to come home like a shmata. You understand what I'm saying? When you have very deep energy... And you come to a room, people are going to nash from it without your permission. And you're going to come home empty, depleted, and you're going to be depressed for three days. It's a fact, right? I had a woman who would come to my classes on Tuesday here, and then she stopped coming. And I asked her, why did you stop coming? And she said, she said it's, it's, it's too intense. 
So sometimes we don't even realize this, but people take your energy, and then you go home and you're left with nothing. They leave you a little scrap of bread, the shaingut. So the woman doesn't only need it for other people, because men are not, it's for herself. It's very, very serious energy. A woman has very powerful energy. That energy belongs to her. People don't realize that sneers is not about repressing women. It's about liberating women. Real sneers. I'm not talking about Muslims like sneers. A real sneers is about you owning your energy. It's a beautiful thing. You having the right to own your energy. It's your energy. It's your feminine energy. That's what it is. It doesn't belong to him. It belongs to you. It's God's gift to you. And you could share it with yourself, with your husband, with your children, with, with who you want. As men, we also need to protect. Exactly. That's why sneers is not a woman thing. Sneers is a life thing. A woman has to be aware of the fact, and we have to be aware of the fact, that you know, there's certain dynamics in life. In a woman's body, in a woman's hair, and so forth. But the man, the same thing. The same concept exists with everybody. Sneas is not just about clothes. Sneas is about how you walk into a room. It's about approach. It's about it's about words. It's, it's about dress too. It's it's a whole lifestyle. Dignity. It's about dignity. It's about dignity. The worst thing for a teenage girl is to feel that in order to get attention, she has to flaunt a certain part of her. What does that do to a kid, to a person? And what does it do to a boy? Forget about parts of the body. In order to get validation, I have to flaunt certain things. I have to be an impressive whatever. You're not a person anymore. You're, you're a dead man walking. Your whole life is for somebody else. So sneeze is really a very powerful idea. I know it's not always presented this way, but that's the truth of it. The truth of it is that it allows a person to own their energy. And the hair has a lot of energy after you get married. It always has energy. All hair has energy. Well, imagine it's to attract. There's something very sensual in the Seher HaIsha when after she gets married. That's why then there's the halacha of... Uh, of, of uh, the energy is there, but generally before she's married, a certain part of her is more... It's latent, it's more behella. It's very attractive, the hair before she's married, mm-hmm. it's exposed. I'm just saying, but because she's not married yet, so the halacha doesn't yeah. prohibit yeah. Yeah, yeah. that hair open. There's a lot to discuss about this, but that's the nekud. I hope you understand, yeah? This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.